A decentralized exchange is a platform for exchanging cryptocurrencies. Depending on trading volume for different coins, some DEXs are more liquid than others. On one hand, you can freely swap unlisted tokens and maintain fully controlled experiences over your private keys and wallet information. On the other hand, without the right supply and demand, it's difficult to swap one particular coin at the right price. One Inch Exchange is a decentralized exchange aggregator that can split a single trade transaction across multiple DEXs. Their Pathfinder API ensures users get the best price by using a discovery and routing algorithm to find the best possible paths for token swaps and then splits the swap across multiple exchanges and market depths of the same exchange. OneInch uses multiple liquidity sources, including private liquidity providers, to ensure there is sufficient liquidity for all swaps on the platform. If the rate of a trade becomes more expensive than the user has confirmed from the UI, the algorithm can cancel part of the route and simply return the unswapped tokens to the user's wallet. In today's episode, we talk with Anton Bukov, co-founder of OneInch. Anton was previously a senior smart contract engineer at NEAR Protocol and chief blockchain engineer consensus researcher at Multitoken. We talk about decentralized exchanges, aggregators, and currency swaps, and the growth of decentralized finance. Anton, welcome to the show. Hi, Jeffrey. You work on One Inch Exchange, and I'd like to get into One Inch Exchange momentarily, but let's start with the subject of DEXs, decentralized exchanges. Explain what a DEX is and why there are different DEXs in the world. Yeah, you know, it's really a great question. Sometimes I do present some slides about this. So, yeah, I will be glad to tell you about different DEXs and maybe a little bit history about like which DEXs appeared in which order. The very first DEXs appeared maybe in 2016 or maybe even earlier. I can't remember because I joined Ethereum development in 2017. They were all order book based, the same way as centralized exchanges works. There are like two kinds of actors there, makers and takers. Makers, they create orders for being filled, filled uh, with exact prices. And takers, they do fill these orders. They execute their swaps immediately, but they have some potential slippage because they fill bunch of orders for with different prices those who create orders makers they always execute with exact price which was like in order and one of the significant improvements in terms of gas costs was allowing people to create orders off chain so you can approve some tokens to decentralized exchange smart contract and you can give your digital signature, which will sign some order. And anyone can use this order to go to this decentralized exchange and perform swap with you. So decentralized exchange will check that you sign it, this exact order. And this means that you allowed this trade to happen. This allowed people to create orders off-chain without execution of transactions. It's like cheap way and really convenient. Creating signature happens instantly and you don't need to wait for transaction to pay for transaction. But really interesting is what happened to DEXs in 2017 and 2019. 
As far as I remember, the first one who started this topic was Alan Lu from Gnosis. He wrote about this concept in March of 2017. I know that Gnosis worked on own decks at this moment, but for some reason they never released it. I don't know why. And interesting thing that Alan described formula for Uniswap and for Balancer. And Uniswap was implemented only in 2019. And Balancer was launched in early 2020. So it took almost three years when implementation achieved, like uh, described formula. And why this is so different from order book-based DEXs, that on order book-based DEXs, like the main problem is market making. If you will try to trade on any DEX, order book-based DEX, like three or four years ago, you would notice there is like a super huge spread between buyers and sellers. It could be like five, three percentages. So imagine you can buy something and sell immediately with three percentages loss. That's not really good. And yeah, working with order books required to have really market makers. But AMMs, this is automated market makers. This is a piece of software which works on blockchain and some people can put their assets into this AMM and this AMM will trade these assets for them, earning some fees. And the first AMM was Bancor, like initially implemented this concept. First, who described it was Alan Lu, then Vitalik Buterin wrote blog post proposing to implement this kind of AMM. Then Banker was launched, and later Uniswap was launched, and many, many others, like Kyber IMM, like Balancer, like Curve, Finance, and many others. And the most interesting thing about these IMMs and why they are so popular, that they provide supply and demand for any possible amount. You can come to AMM and try to trade, and this AMM can sell you any amount of any token, can buy any amount of any token you have, if it's listed for sure on, on this pool. And the price is pretty cool, but the more you swap, the worse is the rate. AMMs, usually, they're trying to trade with you, but they also trying to keep their balances, to not give away all the balance. If some AMM have, for example, USDC and Ether on its balance, and you're trying to buy all other good AMM, like usually AMMs are trying not to allow you to do this because if AMM will sell you all other, it will not be able to trade in this direction anymore. That's why Uniswap concept was pretty cool. The formula of Uniswap do not allows you to buy all the amount. And it's pretty simple. It's like, pool is trying to perform exchanges with anyone who came and he's trying to maintain multiplication of its balances equal to constant so if you bring some usdc pool will easily compute how much ether it should give you to keep multiplication of its balances the same as it was before swap so let's go through like a simple example 
of using a decentralized exchange, and maybe we could compare it to a centralized exchange. Let's say I have $10,000 in Ether, and I want to convert that to DAI, a stablecoin. What goes on when I execute that trade? What would happen on centralized exchange? You have to look on order book and see how much liquidity is concentrated close to the center. And you can estimate how much token, how much die you would have if you sell your Ether. And you will see that you will sell some small amount with a super cool price. Then you will fill next orders, which have not so good price. And then you will have to fill next and next orders. And the more orders you fill, the more volume you have, the worse is the exchange rate, for sure. It depends on how much affiliate these order books, how much volume are you trying to swap. Because it, it could be like a super small exchange and 10K USD is super huge amount. You can lose a lot of money. You can also try to put limit order close to swap rate. And it will be eventually filled, but it's not like guaranteed. You can have like a partially filled order and wait, wait, and wait until someone will fill it. But yeah, the same could be achieved on DEXs. You can put limit order and wait until someone will fill it. This could be arbitrage traders or any traders who trade in different direction. And you can execute also a market order. You can just swap your liquidity, your other. And the thing is that there are many, many DEXs. Right now, one inch DEX aggregator have more than 49 sources, 49 DEXs aggregated into it. This means that if you swap on any regular DEX, the more you swap, the worse is the, is the rate. When you're swapping one other, it's one price. But if you are swapping 50 Ether, it's 10K now. It's more than 10K, yeah? Yeah, it's uh, 100K, okay. If you are swapping huge amount, price will be much worse. But the thing why DEX aggregators appear, they combine it all these small DEXs and not small too, into huge high liquid DEX. For example, you could achieve like a uh, price better than on any DEX. For example, if you have like 10K volume and every DEX price is dropping on this volume, if this volume will be distributed among five DEXs, you will get better rate. But just distribution of volume is what one inch started with on Hackathon in 2019. It was initially just, let's distribute user volume among different DEXs and improve price because the more you swap, the worse is the rate. But like more than half year ago, we came up a new vision. We built much more complex roads. For example, if you are selling Ether to DAI, we can sell part of your Ether to USDC, part of, of to USDT, and the rest to DAI. And this USDC and USDT could be swapped to DAI using any stable token optimized pools like Curve or any other. So right now, DEX aggregators on the market, they are looking for really crazy roads to provide you the best possible price. 
So essentially, a DEX aggregator is going to sweep through the different decentralized exchanges and aggregate your order at the best total price. Is that correct? Yeah, and also is interesting that this happens taking gas costs into account. This means if you are swapping low amount, like tens of bucks or hundreds of bucks right now on Ethereum, gas costs are pretty high and it makes no sense to use any splitting and one inch algorithm will find the simplest path for you, like swapping on Uniswap. But if you are swapping some significant amount, like tens, hundreds, or K of bucks, or even millions of bucks, it will find more sophisticated way for you, and transaction will cost more, definitely, more than on Uniswap. But it makes sense to spend additional 100 bucks on gas if you would get few hundred bucks or even few thousand bucks more in the result. So for users, it's not usually obvious why aggregators could cost much more than Uniswap. But the thing is that aggregators are trying to improve price for you in that manner that you will benefit by paying more gas. Spend 100 bucks more on gas and get 500 bucks more on result. So what are the points of integration between you and these different exchanges? So like, how are you sweeping through them? How are you getting the pricing information? Give me a little bit about the API infrastructure between different decentralized exchanges. Yeah, sure. This is one of the most interesting things, which Naval Ravikant recently also mentioned, that aggregators on uh, centralized markets, aggregators of information like Google is information aggregator, they are aggregating whole internet, but they can't aggregate, for example, Twitter or Facebook or some other social networks because these social networks do not allow aggregator to aggregate them. But what happens on decentralized markets, DeFi, DEXs, that all these DEXs, they have two parts. One part is front-end part, which every user see, it's web pages, mobile applications, and other part is smart contracts, it's protocol part. And the thing is that developers who develop this decentralized part, smart contracts part, they ship this part and this part works unpermissionless on blockchain and access to it is not restricted and potentially couldn't be restricted. This means that anyone can build competitive user interface to existing protocols. For example, any protocol like Uniswap, Balancer, you can build separate website for swapping on these DEXs and this would work. What we actually build is a sophisticated user interface which could interact with all the DEXs on Ethereum. And since access to these DEXs is permissionless, we have own smart contract which helps us to distribute your volume to make this super complex trades in one transaction. This means that we interact with our smart contract and our smart contract interact with all these DEXs and all these DEXs made in that manner that they can't be restricted. And that's why aggregators on decentralized market, they will definitely win and 
they can't be restricted the same way as, for example, Facebook restrict Google indexing. And when you sweep through these markets, what kind of guarantees do you have that you are actually aggregating the best price? Is there some sort of inefficient or curve of efficiency that you're working on where, you know, it's like how much time you spend executing the trade versus how low you can get the cost to, like, you know, some frontier of efficiency? Yeah, right now, one-inch user interface is interacting with one-inch API, and user interface is not like just a boilerplate. It's application, and it can interact, do actions, and right now, it can estimate the result amount, how much gas will be spent on this trade, and potentially, it can also utilize multiple APIs, not exactly one-inch API any other aggregator API. And this would allow application to be more decentralized and it will query multiple APIs, compare results. Do not compare what was promised by API, but compare what will be the result of execution of the transaction that's possible to estimate. And then smart contract of one inch, it will guarantee that you will get at least some amount of resulting token or transaction will be reverted. So user can configure how much the price could be affected. For example, you can set up as, as for example, 0.3 percentages potential uh, price slippage. And if price will became worse for more than 0.3 percentages than you saw on user interface, transaction will be reverted. So Smart contract guarantees are the following that you will be charged for exact amount of tokens and you will receive at least some amount of other token or else your transaction will be reverted and you will pay gas for the transaction. But what I can say about reverted transactions, since we shipped version 2 of 1inch, it was in December of previous year, we dramatically reduced number of failed transactions. It's like so small amount that I can't even remember how much because we have like three to five K transactions a day and we have less than 10 fairly transactions every day. Can you define the term liquidity farming? Yeah, sure. The interesting thing is that liquidity farming, incentives, rewards, how it was called previously, First time it appeared in the mid of 2019, Project Synthetics, they had their SETH token, which is stable to Ether, and they were not happy because it was a little bit unstable, and they decided to organize Ethereum or Uniswap pool, SETH, ETH, and potentially this was targeted to help to repack SETH to ETH and also create market to allow people easily get this synth SETH. And they tried to incentivize people to put their liquidity into this pool. And they came up to idea to send some rewards to liquidity providers of Uniswap pool. So some people put it either and SETH into this pool and they 
have to wait and synthetics send them rewards once a week for it was like not really comfortable because people had to not move their liquidity for whole week else they will not get the reward and it was in september as far as i remember and in december of 29 i proposed the team to improve this scheme since liquidity providers have lp token in their hands lp token of uniswap pool means your share in this pool if you have some amount of tokens and this pool have some total supply of these tokens this means that you have share in this pool and i proposed them to create staking smart contract where liquidity providers can just stake their pool token to earn rewards proportionally and like in a fair manner and use like pool model instead of push model do not send rewards wasting gas allow people to earn rewards and fetch them when they decide to do this and i wrote this smart contract for synthetics i got some bounty on gitcoin for it they also paid for audits and in january or february i do not remember of 2020 they switched to this model and this was like a huge start of farming because in 2020 a lot of different projects started to utilize this contract to incentivize liquidity so from my point of view the aprs which appeared in this farmings in 2020 this was one of the huge stimulus which pushed market forward and can you tell me more about how the market has evolved since the introduction of dex aggregators like one inch just tell me about what your experience has been what you've witnessed and how the market has evolved oh yeah when we started one inch i remember that i had my own pain when i had to sell some tokens even if i had like few hundreds of bucks of some token i tried to sell it on dexes i check it price on three dexes on banker on uniswap on kyber and checking this price and swapping on right dex could give you like few tens of bucks more even if you are swapping like 200 bucks you can get 10 bucks more if you select the proper dex and on the each new york hackathon in 2019 we built first version of one inch dex aggregator which just showed prices on different dexes and allowed you to interact with them later on the same hackathon we also found a way to aggregate and split your volume inside single transaction and what we saw in 2019 there were like maybe five to six different dexes in the wild on ethereum and maybe two dexes were like layer two dexes they were separate dexes their liquidity was not accessible from layer 1 and was not possible to aggregate and what we saw that in 2020 people started actively to use aggregators and we saw that all these separate layer 2 solutions they almost dead or right now they are all dead because they all have chicken egg problem they do not have high liquidity do not have many users because of this and since they don't have many users they do not have high liquidity 
so bad prices small amount of users is like a chicken egg problem on opposite side on layer one all dexes had almost the same problem but what aggregation did to them that we combined all layer one liquidity into single huge high liquid dex and what we saw happened in 2020 and in early 2021 that a lot of new DEXs, AMMs appeared, and most of them were aggregated. Right now, we have 49 aggregations, 49 different DEXs aggregated on one inch on Ethereum, and 12 DEXs aggregated on Binance Smart Chain. So I believe that aggregation allowed most of the new DEXs to survive, because if you build some DEX, you build protocols, smart contracts, and you build some user interface. And if you will not have enough users on your user interface, your DEX may fail. No one will put liquidity if you do not have enough volumes, you are not earning, and this may kill projects. But since aggregators started to dominate in 2020, all the projects became popular. They got their fair part of volume, fair in terms of proportional to the prices and liquidity they could offer. This is really amazing that almost no one of DEXs appeared in 2020 is dead right now. I'm talking on those who were able to aggregate layer one DEXs. So I believe it's a pretty good idea to have aggregators, to have all this composability and permissionless access. So if some projects ship some protocols and they do not succeed in terms of user acquisition, in terms of user interfaces, UX, they still can be functioning. They still can alive because other projects could utilize them, other wallets, other DeFi one-stop shops like Zerion, other aggregators like OneInch. They can utilize them, provide like stable volume, stable users. And this is one of the most interesting parts of DeFi, that projects helps each other to survive. So you mentioned this chicken and egg problem that some of the DEX aggregators would have. Can you remind me or explain again, how did you avoid the chicken and egg problem? How did you solve getting both sides of the market for your DEX aggregator? Yeah, sure. The chicken egg problem I was talking about was about if you don't have users, you don't have liquidity and prices. And if you don't have liquidity and prices, you can't get more users. The thing is that aggregators do not have such a problem. There are 49 DEXs to aggregate on Ethereum, and we already did this. So we have super cool prices because having 49 DEXs aggregated into one single like high liquid DEX allows you to have super cool prices. So we can just bring more users to your, our user interface and they will get super cool prices. We don't have a chicken egg problem actually. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Because you don't have, you don't have to have buyers and sellers on your platform. You just have a single buyer or a single seller that might come and then you just give them a quote based on the aggregation of the different exchanges that you're surfing over. Yeah, yeah, that's correct. What are the technical problems that 
you have to tackle in building one inch? One of the most significant problems were to build reliable decks and to find all these amazing roads. So initially when we started, our task was pretty simple. We just split user volume among multiple DEXs. If user brings some error, we split it just some percentages to one DEX and uh, some percentages to another DEX and price will become better. But for now, task is more complex because we're trying to utilize all the possible liquidity on the market to improve price because some people are swapping even millions of bucks, hundreds of thousands of bucks, and we're trying to find the best possible rate. And this task now works as we have a graph where nodes are different tokens and the edges are different DEXs, and we're looking for the best possible path, multi-path from one node, from one token to another token over all these possible DEXs, all these possible edges. And this is, in math, it's called as a NP program. There is no like super efficient solution for the best result, but we are like achieving to get better and better result with every iteration. We are finding some heuristics to improve result. And this is something which could be improved for many, many months, I believe. And right now on the market, I believe no one other competitor can build such a cool roads as one inch. You can see them easily if you will open one inch exchange website and put huge amount of money, like millions of bucks. You will see pretty cool roads. Because if you small amount, like hundreds of bucks, thousands of bucks, right now it's small amount because of gas costs, for sure. It makes less sense to swap on super complex roads because it would be super costly in terms of gas. And we're optimizing roads, taking gas costs into account. This means that super small amounts, like hundreds, tens of bucks, it will be just swapping on single pools, Uniswap, SushiSwap pools, something like this. But if you would check, for example, Binance Smart Chain, transaction costs are super cheap right now. You can even trade with one gray if you would use one inch exchange node. It's bc-node.1inch.exchange. Our node would allow you to send transaction with price as low as one gray, not 10 gray. And you can pay like super cheap amount for swaps and we will build really cool roads even for a few hundreds of bucks. If you're swapping 500 of bucks, 200 of bucks, we will build nice roads because transaction will cost you few cents, like 10 cents, 50 cents. One thing I'm unclear about is one inch itself a DEX or are you are a centralized exchange, correct? Technically? Not really. I would say that since we're not custodial and never touch user assets, one inch actually from legal perspective, it's informational service. Uh, one inch provides you information how you should execute swap on different DEXs 
to achieve the best possible price. And you sign transaction and send it to blockchain with your own wallet. This happens without one inch. One inch is not like a broker. It's not like a middle layer. It's an informational service which gives you cool information how you should compose your transaction and how you should compose all these swaps on different DEXs to achieve the best possible rate. But you sign transaction on your own wallet, no matter which, Wallet Connect, MetaMask, Ledger, and you send it to blockchain with your own connection. You send your transaction to Ethereum blockchain, BSC blockchain. So one inch is not like a custodian, is not a middle layer here. So it's not like centralized. Do you deploy your your infrastructure to, is it just on AWS? No, we have our front end. It's uh, pretty simple. It's on IPFS and on some CDNs and Cloudflare. And we have our API. We run it on bare metal machines. It's not AWS. It's uh, much more performant. We have more than 300 machines with 64 cores each because we have pretty huge load. A lot of people are checking prices and small part of them are executing trades right now because of gas costs. Right now, an Ethereum transaction could cost you from like 30 to 100 bucks easily. And this stops a lot of people from trading. This prevent these trades to happen. But a lot of people are checking prices from mobile phones, from other computers. Got it. And is there a token associated with one inch? Yeah, one inch launched a token in December of 2020. It was launched as well with a governance system and a one inch liquidity protocol. And one inch token right now have a governance function. And soon this year, we hope to reveal its utility function fully. It was not yet announced how it would work in utility manner. But right now, one inch token could be used for governance. And those who vote in governance, those who participate in governance, they also get rewards. Liquidity pools and aggregation protocol, they earn some rewards from different sources. And all these rewards are forwarded to governance. Uh, Those who stake their one-inch tokens and vote for something, they earn some stable APY. All these rewards are being distributed each week, gradually over one week. So once a week, new rewards comes to one-inch DAO and being distributed for the whole week, gradually, with almost the same smart contract, which was used for farming with so many projects. So... What would be a situation where a governance decision would be made using the one-inch token? What would you mean governance decision? Well, so the one-inch token, if I understand correctly, it's it helps with governance of the protocol? Yeah. So explain how the token actually influences the protocol. Ah, yeah, okay. Yeah, we have a number of options to be voted for in our one-inch liquidity protocol, one-inch aggregation protocol. And each liquidity pool is also governed by liquidity providers. 
So liquidity providers of the pool, they can vote for different parameters and their votes will be applied in average weighted way. So if I have twice bigger liquidity than you, for example, my vote in this pool will be twice more important for the result. And those who not voted in the pools, those liquidity providers who did not vote it, they will effectively delegate, automatically delegate their votes to one-inch token stakers. So one-inch token stakers, they can vote for non-voters, non-voting liquidity providers, and they can also vote on some other parameters like aggregation protocol, reverse distribution proportions, and some others. So what happened initially that this DAO, people who staked one-inch token, they voted to get some part of the rewards as governance reward. And that's what's happening every week. They are getting this earnings, and these earnings are distributed to one-inch stakers once a week, gradually, over the whole week. Yeah, It was one of the parameters which they voted for. It was how one-inch protocol rewards should be distributed, how much share should referrals get, how much should governance get. And they voted to have uh, almost 80 percentages and give 20 percentages to referrals. One-inch have some referral system. Every user have a referral link. And if give this link to anyone and this person will make a trade, Eventually, some part of the liquidity provider profits will be forwarded to referral. And how much amount will be forwarded to, like what share will be forwarded, it depends on how DAO, one each DAO, would vote about this. Do people use exchanges in, like, an exchange like one inch? Do they use them in their smart contracts? Like, do they program smart contracts against the exchanges to make programmatic buying and selling? Yeah, yeah. We have a number of integrations of projects who do their swaps using one inch. It makes sense to use one inch because since we used version three, our main smart contract is more gas efficient even than Uniswap router. If you will make the same trade on Uniswap and one inch, on one inch, you will pay 10 percentages gas less. But it also depends on which token you are swapping because different tokens have different costs of transfers. So percentages may vary because of this. Some tokens have super-costed transfer methods. And a relative share of optimization will decrease in this case for sure. So yeah, a lot of people integrate and also... One more thing why aggregators matter, it's safety. Because if you would use multiple DEXs, you will have multiple approves on multiple protocols. And if new DEX appears, like imagine some DEX was released yesterday, if you will try to use it, and if it will, for example, ask you to make an approve of DAI token to its own smart contract, and you will be inaccurate and make infinite approve, if this contract will be exploited, you may lose all your die on your balance. But what happens with aggregator, we can 
we like have number one priority to integrate new DEXs. And each DEX, once it appears, is being integrated in one inch in like a few hours or few days. And the thing is, all our users, they are staying behind our own smart contract for aggregation protocol. And this means that even if some of these DEXs are not audited enough, even they have bugs, backdoors, anything, our users are still safe because they do not interact with all these DEXs directly. They interact with one-inch contract and one-inch contract interact with all these DEXs. And one-inch contract provides security guarantees to all one-inch users that even if some DEXs are really bad or hacked or something like this, they can't cheat on users. How do you see your business changing in the next few years? You know, it was amazing to see what happens to one inch because since we started, we dramatically increased our volume since May of 2019. We multiple times saw situation when our volume for the last month was half of total volume. And it was amazing. First time I saw it in January of 2020. It was repeated for two months, as far as I remember. Then volumes were a little bit lower, but in the mid of 2020, we again reached this exponential growth. This means that I do not remember the exact month, but maybe July. July volume was half of total volume. And then in January of 2021, we again reached almost the half. It was 40 percentages of total volume made in one month alone. And I'm just wondering if this would happen again <laughs> because Ethereum blockchain growth is strictly limited by, by gas limit because blocks are limited. Each block have only 12 millions of gas. Each block happens once per 12 minutes. This means we have 1 million of gas per second. And this limits Ethereum growth of user base, of number of transactions. So I would be really wondering if I would see this exponential scale again. But what I see that we have to get more users and we have to get more integrations. Maybe some banks will decide to join DeFi and provide some services using aggregators. Maybe some centralized exchanges would decide to have this kind of aggregation. So I would love to see what would happen. Well, zooming out, can you tell me how do you see the space as a whole evolving over the next several years? What kinds of new DeFi contract types do you predict? And and how do you see DeFi changing and perhaps colliding with traditional finance? Okay, cool. Before talking of the future, I would shortly remind the past. What I saw in 2017, a lot of projects found a way to raise funds and make an ICO. And at the end of 2017, it was like most of the projects were raising funds without having any prototype and without having any users' real traction. But what I saw in 2020 that most of the projects, they initially had some service and then they tried 
to raise some funds, make some token governance and everything else. And what I see in 2021, the more and more projects are raising funds when they have some kind of, and I think that more and more projects will appear and try to raise funds, launch token, even without having any MVP. That's a little bit sad because we are returning to 2017 and something similar could happen to the market again. And uh, maybe it should happen because all these huge market movements to up and to down, it helps market to be agile. This means that weak and projects without traction, they should die. Projects which get traction, they should become stronger on bearish market. So what I see and hope to see in 2021, it's about derivatives because we have here DEXs, we have lending protocols, ACA market makers, but we don't have enough derivatives. We have few of them, for example, Opium Network, but it's not enough. I, I believe they should ship more and more different products. And I also hope to see real decentralized storage protocols, incentivized storage protocols. Because right now on the market, we have just few of them and they do not got enough traction. They do not have any traction really. No one is storing data on decentralized storage. And I would love this to be changed. And I hope this could happen in coming years. Okay, great. Well, Anton, thank you for such a lively conversation about decentralized exchanges. Yeah, it was interesting. Thank you for hosting me.